Welcome to the Oaks and Oaths podcast, where modern man follows his ancestral path up out of ruin and ever higher toward the unconquered sun. My name is Ben. Welcome to episode 5 of the Oaks and Oaths podcast. Before we get started, I would like to go over a couple housekeeping things. If you're listening to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, I'd really appreciate it if you were to give me a five-star rating and maybe even write a review about why you like this podcast or what you get from it. It only takes a couple of seconds, and that really means a lot to me because it helps get this podcast up the charts and spreading this message, our message, of positive heathen and pagan masculinity out into the greater world. Also, if you know someone in your life that you think could benefit from this podcast, maybe a friend, a brother, a father, or a son, please send this to them. I try to talk about topics that aren't necessarily conducive to just paganism or heathenry, but also men in general. We know that it's hard being a man these days. It's always been hard being a man. And having the support of your brothers is crucial. So if this has helped you, help me spread this to others and share it with them. And finally, if you'd like to connect, you can find me on Instagram at oaksandoaths. I'm pretty active on there, and I enjoy responding to the messages that I get and watching the people who follow me on their path in life. Everyone's got a story. Everyone's got a passion. And everyone's got a unique relationship with the gods, the ancestors, and our folk. So, give me a follow, I'll follow you back, and together we can watch each other rise to higher heights as we spiral upward toward the sun. Without further ado, episode 5 of the Oaks and O's podcast. Today, the, the topic is about Christianity versus paganism. Can we really get along? And stay to the end of the podcast for the answer on that. But first, we have some things to discuss and unpack. First of all, the question is, why is this topic important? Well, if you're anything like me, you probably have somebody in your life who is a Christian. And not just a Christian, but a strong, firm believing Christian. It might be your parents. It might be your spouse. It might be your in-laws or your best friends. It might be your boss or your employers or your employees. Christianity is everywhere, and it's not going away, no matter what some of the more, um, you know, people who get a couple horns of meat in them would like to believe. Paganism will always be alongside Christianity, just as it really always has been for hundreds of years. The question is, can we get along with each other? Now, I think that this is an important topic because relationships between Christians and pagans have historically been not good. Think about the Salem witch trials, for example, or think about, for example, the, the settlers who came over um, and took land and, you know, forced conversion for the native peoples in America at the point of a gun. In fact, there was something interesting that I just saw recently in my home state of Ohio uh, there's this place called the Serpent Mound, which is built by the Adena people, the Adena culture of, of Native Americans, and it's down in Chillicothe, Ohio. I've been to it myself several times when I was younger. And over Yule, in fact, it was Yule, the solstice, 
there was a group of Christians who I will not dignify by naming uh, that organization who came down there and led a prayer rally to quote-unquote reclaim that land for Jesus. And they blew a shofar, which is weird because they're not Jewish. They're just a bunch of old boomers. And they essentially tried to declare that land to be Jesus's land. And at that mound, there was this Native American activist who stood up against them. And he said, this is my ancestral land. You've taken everything else. You cannot take this. And he's correct. No matter what they say, no matter how red in the face they get, or no matter how self-righteous they think they are, there's nothing that Jesus can do to take over that land of, of ancestral lands of the Adena people, whose ancestors have been buried there for thousands of years. In fact, if Jesus were here, he wouldn't even want to do that. He wasn't necessarily like General Patton or Theodore Roosevelt. He wasn't really an imperialist, kind of the opposite of that, if you, uh, you know, remember your time in Sunday school. But regardless, there is this uneasy tension in this country between Christians and pagans. And I think it's because we don't really know each other or talk to each other um, in a productive way. So the first thing I want to discuss is the difference between a world-denying worldview and a world-accepting worldview. I think I'm qualified to speak to Christianity because I was a Christian for 29 years of my life, and I never really was a true believer, but I tried my best to believe. And one thing I remember from, you know, reading theology, going to Sunday school, and having conversations with my friends is that Christians, especially fundamentalists or evangelical Christians, tend to view the world as evil, depraved, and broken. It all goes back to the Garden of Eden, where Satan, in the form of a serpent, sits at the tree of good and evil and tells Adam and Eve that if they take of the fruit, they can be like God. Now, it's always been a little suspicious to me why God would want Adam and Eve to be in the garden without the knowledge of good and evil. I mean, wouldn't that essentially just make them other animals? Isn't the knowledge of good and evil and rational thought the thing that elevates us from the rest of the animal kingdom? But regardless, that's where that foundation comes from. This idea of original sin, that the world was hopelessly damned by Adam and Eve's decision, and every single person born after them are cursed. And the only true sacrifice for the redemption of mankind and the salvation of the world is the blood atonement of Jesus, and accepting him as your savior. That's the Christian's position. They believe that eventually Jesus is going to come back and um, destroy all the non-believers after the Christians are raptured. And again, this is not necessarily biblical theology. This is more um, denominational theology that's arisen as a result of Protestantism. And that's a whole other story. The idea of blood atonement itself is actually uh, comes from the ninth century, a theologian named Ansem in, Germ in Germany came up with that theology. It's not even, you know, in the old sources of, of the faith. But regardless, it's where we are right now and what a lot of people believe. So they essentially believe the world is cursed. And eventually it will be destroyed in fire. Jesus is going to make a new heaven and a new earth. And the damned will perish in eternity forever because they, you know, didn't say a couple magic words. And I'm not trying to be trite about that. 
again, I think that there is a difference between the gospel of Jesus and the followers of Jesus. I I think the gospel of Jesus is interesting, and I have no apprehension or animosity toward his teachings. It's what it's evolved into that I, I have an issue with, because it tends us to see this world as something that is going to be destroyed. And as a heathen, I believe that this world more or less will not be destroyed because we've gone through four mass extinctions so far. And every time you could even attribute that to Ragnarok, right? Every time the planet is destroyed or life is wiped out, it always finds a way back. You think about the dinosaurs that were here before the asteroid knocked them out. Um, You think about the other extinctions that happened before that. Time is a human concept. And the idea that time is linear from A to B is foolish. The universe, in some form or fashion, has always been and will always be because it's outside of our notions and concepts of time and space. Regardless, Christianity, which also, especially the evangelical kind, has an aversion to science to begin with, tends to believe that it doesn't matter, it's going to be destroyed, there will be a new heaven and a new earth, which... I mean, it's technically true. I mean, even if we destroy ourselves and wipe ourselves off this planet, make it inhabitable by our destructive, consumptive ways, eventually life will return. But Jesus isn't going to be involved. Hate to break it to you if you're a Christian listening to this podcast. That's just not the way it works. So you have the world-denying worldview, right? And on the other hand, you have our worldview, which is a world-accepting worldview. Essentially, all pagan religions are nature cults in a way. You think about, for example, people will hear a thunderstorm and they'll say, that is Thor striking Mjolnir across the sky. Or they'll see, you know, the cold winter winds coming, you know, across their fields and say, Ascadi is riding through uh, with her wolves. Uh, Even things like fertility and the bounty of the earth can be attributed to Freya and Freya. So... A lot of the the natural forces um, have become personified by the gods. And I'm not saying that the gods are the natural forces. I believe they exist outside of that. But but their power exists in a realm, in a dimension that we as humans don't typically have access to. But our gods, regardless of your pantheon, you know, most, you know, pantheons, whether they're Hellenistic or Germanic, Norse, um, even Celtic, and, and even uh, Vedic all come back to the same source, which is the Bronze Age uh, Caspian Indian steppe. So a lot of them come from the same source and the same relation. Even the idea of the All-Father, um, you know, is, is the sun. It shines, it brings forth life, it's a progenitor. If you listen to my podcast, you, you know what I think about the sun and the importance of the sun, not only on this planet, but also in our faith especially for men. So we don't deny the world. We work with the gods because we see them everywhere. We see their handiwork in the forests, on the ocean, in the mountains especially. We feel the energy of our ancestors and we feel the presence of our gods buried in the land spirits, buried deep within the hollows and the heights of the natural world. We believe the world is worth preserving. It's worth keeping, it's worth tending to, and it's worth respecting and honoring. Because we ourselves are not separate from nature, but we're a part of nature. The Christians think that 
man was made just a little lower than the angels, and crowned with glory above the animal kingdom. Pagans would say that we are just part of the natural order, and we're also part of a spiritual order in a world that we can't see but does exist around us. So it's very hard then to find common ground when one side is all right with an apocalypse happening and the other side (laughs) does whatever it can to prevent it. Look at the gods. All the gods, most of the gods, die in Ragnarok trying to prevent the inevitable from happening. You look at the actions of a lot of Christians, they seem to invite that. They seem to want that destruction to happen. They seem to get some sort of perverse joy over the suffering of billions of people who don't believe exactly what they do. So, number one, you have world-denying versus world-accepting. Number two, you have the idea of of black-and-white monotheism versus more of a gray polytheism. So, I was raised fundamentalist evangelical Christian. And I was taught that there is one way to God, and his name is Jesus. And there is only one God, and that, you know, is Yahweh, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And everybody who had a different opinion or a different perspective was considered to be deceived by Lucifer, by Satan. And they weren't to be trusted. I remember growing up, we had a uncle who was, he, he was two things you absolutely couldn't be. He was an atheist and he was a Democrat. So <laughs> he, we always, you know, um, approached him with uh, kid gloves, I guess, or, or a little bit of apprehension. And I was, even when I was young, I was afraid that he would somehow corrupt my mind because he had a different perspective than me. And, and you know, it's, it's easy to look at folks that believe that is ignorant or, you know, naive. But I think wisdom would say that if you are raised believing something so strongly and reinforced that belief by so many people in your circle for so long, then it becomes truth. If, you know, someone tells you the color red is blue for 20 years, you're only going to see the color red as blue. People could tell you, you know, they can give you anecdotal sources, scientific sources that say, hey, this color is red across different cultures. Everyone sees it as red. But in your mind, you have this strong association that it's blue. And some people can be persuaded that it's red, but most people will stick with what they know because it's comforting to them. So while it's easy to to mock or belittle those who hold these beliefs, it's not productive, right? They have this black and white view of good and evil, and unless you're saved, unfortunately, you're you're evil in a lot of their eyes, you know? You you've rejected the Father, you blaspheme the Holy Spirit, you are not walking with the Son, and you're an anathema to them. On our hand, we follow the God of the gray. At least I do in my Norse pantheon. Odin is not black and white. He's not entirely morally good or morally evil. He's self-interested and concerned primarily with seeking knowledge and understanding. And he does things that are more human-like than God-like in order to achieve his goals. And I think that's what's really interesting about our gods, is they're not ethereal and um, transcendent to the point of not being able to be understood. They're very human, just like us, because they're examples to us of the kind of humans that we should be and that we could be. 
So like Odin, I think we tend to look at the gray. We realize that people aren't entirely good or entirely evil. Most people, if not all people, are some gradation of good and evil. The most evil people in the world have some good within them, and the best people in the world have some darkness within them. We would see that as order and chaos rather than good and evil, like a shadow that needs to be worked through and integrated and overcome as opposed to an overwhelming spiritual force that we have no power to defeat save the name of some archaic Jewish rabbi who who lived 2,000-some years ago. And so I think that's a very important distinction to make. We're also polytheistic, so we believe that other gods and other cultures could exist. In fact, perhaps other pantheons are just different names for the same primal forces that our ancestors ascribe these names to. Spirituality at its heart is a mystery because the cosmos are mysterious. There are things that we will never be able to perceive and understand. There are things that can shift our very paradigm of thinking and our concepts and constructs of reality. So arguing about who is definitively true is a fool's errand. If God is omniscient, which means he's all-knowing, omnipresent, which means he's everywhere, and omnipotent, which means he's all-powerful, shouldn't I be able to summon his presence in the, in the presence of my Christian friends? And I mean, were I able to do that, that would be irrefutable proof that he is all those things. But that never happens because it's not that simple. It's not that black and white. So those are some of the fundamental differences between Christians and pagans. I think also there's a tendency for Christians to see everything pagan associated as evil. And that's something that's been interwoven into our culture for centuries. I remember when I was younger, we, uh, we always celebrated Christmas, as most people do. And one year, my dad, well-meaning, um, you know, he was told by some of his friends how, how pagan Christmas is. And it's undeniably based off of Yule, which I think is a wonderful cultural ancestral memory that refuses to die um, from our people. But we took out the Christmas tree that we normally put in our house. We didn't hang up the lights. I would never believed in Santa as a kid because, you know, magical person in the sky who answers your requests is absolutely unfathomable for a Christian who also believes in Jesus who does the same things. But regardless, <laughs> uh, so my dad decided instead of having a tree and ornaments and wreaths and garlands and decorations, he actually built a manger. And we put, he put our gifts in a manger. That was the lamest Christmas that I've ever had. <laughs> it took all the fun away from it. It took all the joy away from it. But my parents, and again, they were well-meaning. They, they were afraid of the quote-unquote demonic influence that surrounds the idea of pagan traditions. The same thing with Halloween. We would, at our church, we would have harvest parties or a trunk or treat but we would never celebrate Halloween or dress up in costumes because, again, that's another pagan festival and ritual that's, you know, transcended the, uh, the blade um, and the brainwashing of the church and maintains within our culture. And so I think that 
there is this taint on anything that is pagan, that it is demonic, or that we are Satan worshippers, or that we sacrifice babies, or that we are evil and are trying to attack them, or something like that. And if you're anything like me, that's that's not true at all. I I just want to be able to believe what I believe in peace and practice my faith the way that I find right and provide inspiration and support to others who feel the same way. Unlike the Christians, I'm not going to go door to door or with a bullhorn on a corner trying to convince them to believe in the only way, in their Lord and Savior, Odin the All-Father. That's not what this faith is about. To me, it's always been a sign of weakness that if their God is the only God, why do they have to give him so much PR, you know? Why are they always trying to recruit for his team? To me, I always think that misery loves company, and I think a lot of Christians will never be truly happy unless everyone thinks like they do. And as a polytheist, I believe there is beauty in differences, and there is beauty in different thought and different gods and different perspectives. That's how we grow. That's how Odin gathers knowledge and wisdom as he goes through the nine realms. And speaking of Odin, he is one of the Aesir gods. And the Aesir gods essentially assimilated the Vanir gods to create the pantheon of gods that we have in Norse mythology. The Vanir gods were very based around nature and fertility in the land, whereas the Aesir gods were more gods of war, gods of the sky, gods of honor. And yet that tribe saw the value in the other tribe, and therefore they were able to work together. And I think that leads to my next point. Is it possible for Christians and pagans to get along? The answer is, it depends. So if somebody is rigid in their ideology and inflexible, not willing to take on new information, they're not worth your time. Even if that somebody is someone in your family or someone that you love, they'll never see things the way that you do. And you just have to be all right with that. This path is not an easy path, but it's a good path. And if you're walking on it like I do, then you have to kind of count the cost and say, I know that I might freak some people out. I know that this might bother some people. I know that I'm going to be misunderstood. But what the gods have called me to do in my life is more important than the applause and the affirmation of other people who don't necessarily know what the truth is, but just cling to something that they've been told. I think with people like that who are very rigid in their ideology, you need to pursue wisdom. Look at the Havamal. Look at the, the idea of being silent when people speak and, and listening and moderating alcohol consumption and, and you know, going to see a good friend and, and being a good guest. If you're guests in in the home of your family, don't, you know, don't like swing an ax around and, and, uh, you know, talking about like hailing Odin loudly and burning churches or whatever, like respect them, respect their traditions because that's what they know. And that's what values that they uphold. And if we as pagans reinforce this idea that we are an enemy to our Christian, um, peers, then they're going to continue to heap these stereotypes upon us, and that division will continue to grow. So instead, I would say with those who are inflexible, if they're in your family, give them uh, some latitude. 
look at them as people who are in a system that does not allow them to think outside of it and have some have some grace with them to to use a christian word right because they are your folk and they are your kin and they come from the same ancestral tree that you do and you never know what kind of influence that you might have on them over the years as you walk out your faith and reveal to them what it truly means to you and what it truly is fighting against those stereotypes that they might have of us if it's somebody who you don't know and they're ideological Christian people, um, don't build frith with them. I mean, plain and simple, because they are not going to accept you or respect you entirely um, if, if they come from the perspective that their way is correct and that you must be saved and think the way they do. Those people will be a energy vampire on you, and um, you're not going to get very far with them. On the other hand, I do want to say that I work out five times a week with a couple of men who are strong Christians, but they are very accepting of me. Um, we have a lot of things that we share in common in terms of our, our moral values. And I've been able to kind of use the idea of a solar framework to find common ground between our two faiths. These guys have become really good friends of mine, and I consider them to be brothers, even though they have a completely different faith system. They've never tried to convert me or tell me that I'm going to hell or wrong for what I believe. And I've never tried to tell them that they should stop believing in Jesus. In fact, I do what I can to affirm the things about their faith that push them forward and help them become better men, which is the goal of, of all of this. If you look at the function of faith, there's two things that faith can engender in people. Fear and ascension. All right. So fear, a lot of people live in fear. And it's because they've never gotten past their own ego or their own, their own worldview. They're in fear that the world is going to end. They're in fear that they're going to be corrupted or that they are going to lose something or this or that. There's so much things that keep people in the bonds of fear. The other function that faith can hold is ascension. And ascension means walking through fear, rising above fear like the sun and becoming akin to the gods instead of a subject to them. And I see men, these men in particular, they are not afraid. They want to become better men so that they can help other men become better men. And I'm 100% behind that. Because at the end of the day, I don't care who you bow the knee to. I care what you do when you get up on your feet. We are our deeds. And we can make frith with people who believe differently than us as long as they give us the same respect that we offer to them. And I'm going to say this as a note of caution to us pagan folk. We can be just as bigoted and hateful toward Christians as they can be toward us. I've, I've seen it. I've, I've heard people talking about, like I said, burning churches or wiping out Christians or eliminating Christianity from the earth or whatever. That's not going to happen. And that's not a productive thing. At the end of the day, Christians are people that are trying to navigate this, this blue dot in the middle of a vast cosmos just like us. And we're being a terrible example when we, when we say these kind of things and we have these kind of behaviors. We're, we've descended from the gods. We must war against what is wrong and we must war against what is unjust. But we must also be strong in ourselves. 
and war against primarily our main enemy, which is ourself, and our inclination to, to ourselves be afraid of things that are different than us. A true warrior is one who has waged a war against himself time and time again, and won. And that takes courage, that takes strength, that takes mastery, and that takes honor. As Jack Donovan highlights in The Way of Men, the four masculine virtues. And you can't, in my estimation, be a man in full unless you're able to walk through your darkness and, like an alchemist, synergize it and make something useful out of it, right? And then lead other folks out of that darkness as well. Exactly what the concept of being solar is. And so, regardless, when we die, when we walk down Helvagen, the way of death, and when we're met by either Freya, Odin, or Hel, uh, the real Hel, not the Christian one, <laughs> when that happens, we're all going to understand the greater mysteries of life, the, the deeper secrets of the runes, what Odin gave up an eye for, the metaphysical truths that transcend our small little place in this reality. Are we going to want to go meet our ancestors and go shoulder to shoulder with our gods, knowing that we carried hate and anger and misunderstanding in our hearts? I think that they would want from us to refine that away, to become strong, to become positive, and to be able to be their representatives on Midgard in this time. Because that's exactly what we are. The more we embody our gods and follow after them, the more we take after their attributes. And when we do that, that means the more space we make for people around us to live a better life, to follow after what it is that they should be doing, and to guide our ancestral line through space and time indefinitely into a future that will never end from a past that has no beginning. That is our grand cosmological story, and it means befriending and getting along, if not befriending, those who are different than us. And I'll take this a little, little bit further. This isn't just Christians and pagans. This is Republicans and Democrats. This is Confederates and Yankees. This is Yankees fans and Cleveland Indians fans. <laughs> Myself, I'm an Indians fan. Well, whatever they're going to be called in the future. This is tribalism in general. Fear keeps people in a small tribe. A small tribe is a weak tribe. Empires, nations, things that are great come when people put aside these, these, these shields of, of ideology that they hide behind and realize the common goal of why they exist in the first place. That grand human story that says that we as a people will overcome the darkness and lead the future into the light. That's my mission. That's why I do what I do. And if you're listening to the sound of my voice, I'm sure that that is something that you also aspire toward. So my brothers, have respect for an honorable man, no matter who he prays to. Be an honorable man yourself so that people will speak highly of you, even if they pray to a different God and are afraid of those who bear the name pagan. And if you do these things, then you'll bring honor to your ancestors, your folk, and your gods. And that will not be forgotten. Thank you so much for listening to the Oaks Notes podcast. It's an honor to be able to speak with you. This, this topic has been heavy on my heart. And I'm sure many of you can relate.
And if you need to talk to me about it, send me a message on Instagram. I know many of you already have. I'm here for you. We're all going to make it together. May we all rise like the sun above the darkness and chaos that surrounds us and light the way forward for a brighter and better future for our people. Until next time.